Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode... Release the Kraken! That's right, Liam Neeson. It's time to look at how the Jets should handle... The expansion draft from the Stanley vs. DeMello debate to a potential trade up front to avoid a big loss. But first, a word from our friends over at DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports. You've heard us talk about how payday comes every single day with DraftKings just by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night. It's super easy to do. And DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion, yeah, billion with a B, to users across all sports, the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. While things are slowly starting to get interesting in the NHL, including a trade, we actually have a trade to talk about. But now we sit just days away from a very, very important date on the NHL offseason calendar this weekend, already this weekend, teams will have to officially announce who will be protected from the upcoming expansion draft and who will be eligible to be picked to join the greatest team name in all of pro sports, the Seattle Kraken. I mean, I still maintain Sasquatch was the way to go, but, you know, as, as a cryptozoology buff, I'm still more than thrilled the Kraken is an actual team name, but Seattle Sasquatch was a big-time miss by the uh, group over there in Washington. But the Jets have some very interesting decisions to make, and they have little time to pull it off. So that's going to be the focus of today's episode. Who stays protected and who remains up for grabs to be taken by the Kraken? Now, I want to make one rule before we get started. And hopefully Kevin Chevalier, I mean, I know he's not listening, but hopefully he's going to apply this to what the Winnipeg Jets do as well. 
every GM in the league should do this, but we're going to see some big mistakes made just like when Vegas took some teams to the cleaners a few years ago. But my one rule is this. Do not, under any circumstances, give up any assets to protect players from being selected. Nothing. Nada. No fifth round picks. No B-level prospects. Zippo, just accept that you're going to lose a player no matter what and plan accordingly. No matter who it is. It's just, in my opinion, it's not worth giving up more assets to protect the 8th best forward and the 4th best defenseman that you have in your organization. Plus, Seattle is, is rightfully going to leverage the position they have and force teams to pay a fortune to protect whoever it is that they don't want to be selected. And this actually burned the Jets the last time around because the swap of first-rounders to ensure Vegas didn't select Toby Enstrom saw the Jets miss out on drafting Nick Suzuki with their original pick, instead taking Christian Veselainen. So I understood the move at the time, and I mean, to be fair, the Jets did make a run to the conference finals that year, in part to, I guess, how well Enstrom and Bufflin played throughout the season. But, oh man, wouldn't Nick Suzuki look real good in a Winnipeg Jets jersey right about now, even with that run to the conference finals in mind. So the ground rules have been set, no assets given to protect any player, Stanley, DeMello, Appleton, so on and so on. Seattle takes somebody, you stomach it, and you move forward. Now we'll get to the big decision on the back end. We all know what it is. There's no point in trying to hide it and tease it. We'll get to that one in just a bit. But let's start up front, and thankfully things are pretty cut and dry here for Winnipeg. We know that as far as the seven that are going to be protected, the Jets will go 7-3-1. We know that Shifley, Ehlers, Connor, Wheeler, he has the no-movement clause, so he has to be protected. Dubois and Lowry are all absolute locks. They will not be up for grabs for Seattle. No debate to be had there. And, you know, by honest results, you would definitely lean towards Andrew Kopp grabbing that seventh spot, which would then make Mason Appleton the odd man out and potential expansion fodder. And like I said, we'll touch on DeMello Stanley in just a few seconds here. But I've maintained for a few months now, and I haven't wavered on this whatsoever, but we can debate which defenseman all we want till we're blue in the face. If Mason Appleton is up for grabs, Seattle will snatch him regardless of who is available on the blue line. And it's funny because the Athletic did their Seattle expansion mock draft uh, a couple of weeks ago. And all three of the writers with The Athletic, including Ryan Clark, who is the, the beat writer for the Kraken, all three of them picked Mason Appleton. Uh, and that was a choice between Mason Appleton and Logan Stanley because uh, Murat Atesh had Dylan DeMello as the final defenseman picked uh, to be protected for the Winnipeg Jets. So, I mean, all you have to do is take a look at the forward options that are available for Seattle in the expansion draft. I mean, outside of Philly, Pittsburgh, and maybe one or two other teams, there is just not a lot of high-end talent or even just talented forwards available. And at 900K per season, scoring half a point a game last year, Appleton, to me, is the easy selection if he's available for Seattle and somebody that would slot into their top six and I think play big minutes for them next season. And I think he would do really well on top of that. I, I love Mason Appleton's game. 
So at that point, you might be saying then, well, Brandon, idiot, how can the Jets keep Appleton if you already said that you shouldn't waste assets in this expansion draft biz? Well, sir or madam, you would be correct. I did say that. But I specifically said don't give Seattle any assets to achieve this. That doesn't necessarily mean you don't make a move with a separate team to potentially get out of losing one of your players for nothing. And that, to me, is where things get really exciting on the trade front with the Winnipeg Jets, with Andrew Kopp and his status with the club upcoming. Remember, Kopp is arbitration eligible as an RFA, and if he elects to go the arbitration route, he can walk right into free agency, signing a one-year deal, and be up for grabs for free after this upcoming season. And hey, he certainly earned the right. <laughs> and considering the season he just had, you can't blame Cobb for looking ahead to cashing in on, on what would be a, a pretty nice long-term deal, I would imagine, hitting the, the open market in the future. And, and you know, if I was Andrew Cobb, I might lean towards that, to be honest, because, hey, let's open things up to the highest bidder and, and see how much money I can grab. This situation for me, I think at least is pretty simple. And, and I have two options for Andrew Cobb here. If Andrew Kopp is only willing to accept that one-year deal that would walk him into free agency and a long-term deal is off the table, then I'm moving him. It's that simple. I'm trading Andrew Kopp before the expansion draft, so in the next couple of days, to keep Mason Appleton. I'm not risking losing two top nine forwards on my team in the span of under 12 months for absolutely nothing. So... I think Chevy needs to have absolute certainty that Cop is going to be around for the foreseeable future. I mean, at least three to four more years before he decides what to do with Mason Appleton. And I say this because even as an RFA with Arbrights, Cop still has a ton of value out there on the trade market. I mean, there are a lot of teams that Andrew Cop would play significant minutes for. And a lot of those teams have a ton of draft picks on top of it. I mean, Detroit is, is kind of the obvious one. You know, Michigan being his home state, the Red Wings have multiple first-round picks, multiple second- and third-round picks. I mean, that's an option for the Red Wings if they want to go that route. Uh, New Jersey is another team, you know, at the bottom of the standings that has a couple of first- and second-round picks. Maybe they'd be willing to give up some of their draft capital to grab somebody that can play, you know, like we all know what Andrew Kopp is capable of, right? You know, solid scoring, and he is going to be as dependable as hell all over the ice for you. He, he is a really valuable asset. Obviously, they would want to make sure they lock him up to a long-term deal. So I think the Jets would be able to get... I mean, I don't think a first-round pick is on the table for them in this situation. I mean, I, I know JT Miller was in a similar spot a few years ago with Tampa Bay. They were able to get a first-round pick out of Vancouver in that trade. I don't know if I necessarily see that. I think Miller has a bit more offensive creativity than Andrew Cobb does. But, I mean, a second-round pick and, and probably a, a third or a fourth thrown in as well. I mean, that kind of a deal would come in handy in a major way for a team like the Jets that's dealt a decent amount of picks in the past few years. Whether they want to use those picks to add to their prospect pool or maybe you use those picks at a potential trade to help out your blue line. There's a lot of value and a lot of logic, to be honest, in, in moving Andrew Kopp to make sure you get out in front of that. 
And you know what? On the other hand, I'll say this too. If Cobb surprises everyone at this point and wants to sign long-term with the Jets, then I would gladly accept that. I would love to have a dependable player like that in the fold. And what I would do in that situation is obviously protect Andrew Cobb. And then I would move Mason Appleton to a team for draft picks to recoup some value there. Probably not as much as what Andrew Kopp would garner. But I, I could see a team like the ones we mentioned there. Maybe even a Vancouver. A team that's up against the cap. Giving up a second round pick to grab somebody like Mason Appleton on their roster. So one way or another, there's a chance for Winnipeg to move one of those two forwards to keep another while picking up a valuable draft pick in the process. Or maybe something else. At a potential trade. Now to the blue line. And uh, you know what? Things are actually pretty cut and dry here as well, to be honest. Right? We know what the Jets are going to do for the most part. They're protecting Josh Morrissey and Neil Pionk, which only leaves one slot open. And that's between Dylan DeMello and Logan Stanley. It's a debate absolutely nobody expected nine months ago. Just imagine saying that. Would you keep Logan Stanley or Dylan DeMello? People would have laughed at you. But it's a legitimate discussion with the way Logan Stanley played and progressed this past season. And I love this debate, too, because there's just so many angles to it. You have the old size versus effectiveness, subtly, from Dylan DeMello. You have upside versus certainty. You have the salary cap to take into account. You have a homegrown prospect that the organization has spent time invested in. There's so much that goes into the discussion between these two players that makes it a heated debate and, and something that I know Jets fans have been talking about for quite some time now. So let's get into it here. We'll make the case for each player before I guess I'll make my ultimate both prediction and what I would do with the Jets blue line when it comes to the expansion draft. By the way, you're listening to Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network with me, your host, Brandon Rowicki. The case for Logan Stanley. I mean, it's a pretty obvious one. He's a giant. <laughs> Logan Stanley at six foot seven is a defenseman that can skate well for his size, handle the puck well on top of it, and unleash an absolute cannon, whether it's a clapper from the blue line or a wrister top shelf like Carey Price found out in Game 4 of the second round series between the two teams. The real enticing aspect, though, is the upside with Logan Stanley. The fact that there is now, however likely it may be, there is a chance Stanley could become a second-pair player for relatively cheap while giving the Jets the size and physicality they've lacked on the back end since Big Buff called it quits. That part right there, to me, is the key to this whole thing. I mean, the size and the physicality is is great that Logan Stanley adds. And it's certainly an element that the Winnipeg Jets do not have on their blue line currently. But again, the key here is this. Do the Jets believe that Logan Stanley can be a second-pair defenseman in the near future? Or just someone that can play well at the bottom of the lineup? Because if you think he's just a good third-pair defenseman, then you wish him the best in Seattle. Because you can find another third-pair defenseman in free agency, in your prospect pool. Players like that are relatively easy to find. The Jets have found a fair amount of those in the past couple of years. But if you think that his development can accelerate and that another big step could happen sometime soon, 
then I completely understand wanting to make sure that that player is in the fold moving forward and Logan Stanley grabs one of the protection slots. Something else I find interesting in this is the, the human element when it comes to Kevin Cheveldayoff side of things. Like, I kind of wonder if Chevy doesn't feel a decent amount of protective loyalty, I guess, in this situation, right? I mean, it's a young man that you drafted, reached for in the first round, traded up to get him, too, on top of it. You spend five years of developing and waiting and waiting to see the return on the investment that you made, while nobody, you know, in the market, let alone maybe the entire NHL, thought that this was a guy that could be a player for you. You wait, and then out of the blue, basically, the kid does make it and turns into a player for you. You, you spend all that time and energy to get to that point, and then poof. Like, just like that, all the time and money spent into developing him is, is all for naught. Because an expansion team all of a sudden existed and swooped in and stole him out from under you. So, I, I can understand from that perspective... Chevy wanting to protect the investment that he made and, you know, not allow another team to reap the rewards of the Jets' work. Having said that, though, you know, Chevy did also sign the other player in this debate to a multi-year deal worth $3 million per season, and that would be one Dylan DeMello. So you could say Kevin Chivalde have also invested a decent amount in that player as well. The case for keeping DeMello is pretty simple, in my opinion. During his time with the Jets... He's improved the play of whatever partner he's been paired with. I don't think that could be argued either. Morrissey has played his best hockey over the past two seasons with Double D, highlighted by the Jets' play in the postseason. You know, when DeMello and, St- when DeMello, sorry, when DeMello and Morrissey were out there on the ice against Edmonton, they held their own, and the Jets looked solid defensively. When DeMello got hurt in the Montreal series, the entire team collapsed, and it was an absolute dumpster fire defensively. Logan Stanley himself also benefited greatly from playing under the tutelage of one Dylan DeMello. So, you know, even the player in this debate that we're having, you could make the case that, hey, maybe Dylan DeMello was the reason that Logan Stanley played as well as he did for the majority of the season. It's a hell of a calling card to have as a defenseman. And and even going back to his brief time in Ottawa, that's been the kind of player we've seen on the ice. It's not flashy by any means, but the results are always there. And that underlines the debate for those that are pro-DeMello. He's a top four defenseman. End stop. That's it. And and for a team that lacks quality blue liners, the Jets should be reluctant to lose a player like that. Now, there also are a lot of layers to this too. I mean, you know, one example could be that the Jets pull off a big trade for a right-handed defenseman, whoever that may be, or, or you sign somebody, right? But if that's the case, then, hey, Dylan DeMello becomes very expendable because you may not want to pay a third pair blue liner $3 million per season. But you also don't want to put all of your chips in the Dougie Hamilton, Seth Jones, etc., etc. basket, lose Dylan DeMello, and then strike out and trade in free agency, and all of a sudden, you don't have anybody, and the blue line that was a big question mark last season ultimately got a lot worse in the process. On the other, other hand, though, what about... A potential package of, I don't know, Andrew Kopp and, and Logan Stanley to pick up a defenseman in a trade to bolster the roster. But then you lose D- Dylan DeMello in that situation in the expansion draft, and I think now my brain is starting to melt. So, I mean, ultimately the point is this. There's a number of different ways we could see this play out in the coming days. But to the main debate at hand here, 
if I had to pick between protecting Dylan DeMello or Logan Stanley, I'm going Dylan DeMello. And it is a tough, it, it's a tight debate for me. But the main reason is this. Dylan DeMello has shown that he is a no doubt about it top four defenseman in the NHL. I mean, the results are there. And as great as Logan Stanley was this past season, I still have doubts that he's ever going to reach the level that Dylan DeMello was at. I'm not going to say it'll never happen because the steps he took this past year were, were so, so tremendous that, you know what, maybe he does figure it out and he becomes, you know, a solid second pair defenseman for, for years to come here. But I would lean towards Dylan DeMello continuing to be that player over Logan Stanley potentially reaching that mark sometime in the near future. Plus, we know that DeMello has been able to extract some good play out of Josh Morrissey, which is going to be mandatory for this team, let's face it, if they want to have any postseason success next year. On top of all that, while they're not six foot seven, the Jets do have Vili Hainala and Dylan Sandberg on the left side waiting in the wings in the organization. So there is some fallback, some cover, that if you lose Logan Stanley and he's selected by the Seattle Kraken, at least you have a couple of other prospects that are ready to step in and take that spot. It's a hell of a debate, though. And, hey, if you're one of those people that would rather see Stanley kept, let me know on Twitter, at Brandon underscore Wiki or at SkatesPlatesPod. I want to know why you think Logan Stanley should be the pick over Dylan DeMello or, you know, tell me why you agree with me and Dylan DeMello should grab that last protection slot instead of the big guy. Now, what do I think the Jets do in this situation? I think it's different than what I personally would do. Now, it's tough for me to handicap what they'll do up front, right? Like if they're going to trade Andrew Kopp or if they're going to trade Mason Appleton to to get some assets out of nothing. You know, honestly, I actually might lean towards the Jets trading Andrew Kopp. I, I really do. I, I just think Kevin Chevaldeoff, I think he's going to take an objective look at the situation. And I think he knows that Andrew Kopp and, and maybe more importantly, Kurt Overhart are not going to accept a long-term deal. And that I think they made that decision a couple of years ago when they initially went to arbitration. And I just think Kevin Chevalier will not want to sign Andrew Cobb to a one-year deal and then watch him walk right out of town in free agency. So I actually do believe that we do see Cobb moved for, I would imagine, a couple of picks. Mason Appleton is protected. And then a player like Jansen Harkins would be a forward that is up for grabs for Seattle in the expansion draft. So in that scenario, this actually puts a ton of weight on the DeMello-Stanley issue here. Now, while I would go with Dylan DeMello over Logan Stanley, I think the Winnipeg Jets are going to pick Logan Stanley over Dylan DeMello. I think that, you know, a big part of it is just the fact that the Jets put a lot of resources into Logan Stanley, the draft pick, first rounder, years and years of development and patience within the organization. And now that he's shown he can be an NHL player, I think the Jets want to see just how far he's able to take that. It may not be the right way to look at it, but I think that's certainly a big part of the equation when the Jets look at which one of these two players they want to keep. There's two other things, though, that I think ultimately sees the Jets lean towards Stanley over DeMello. I mean, the most glaring is I think the Jets do value 
size and physicality on their blue line. I think they feel like they're not big enough there. And I think that's a big part of the reason why Dylan DeMello wasn't paired with Josh Morrissey up until the final, what, four or five games of the season is that the Jets felt like they were going to get pushed around with a deep pairing of Morrissey and DeMello. It's why Tucker Pullman was there. And I think ultimately that's why they lean towards having somebody like Logan Stanley in the fold so they have somebody they know can help push around the other team's opposition, somebody that can clear the front of the net, all the things that go along with being six foot seven and 240 pounds. But the one thing that has me leaning more so than maybe anything else towards Stanley over DeMello as the Jets' choice is something that was said during the end-of-season press conference. And I, I can't remember exactly if it was Kevin Cheveldayoff or Paul Maurice, but the statement that was made was essentially that, you know, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, but we need to find the right partner for Josh Morrissey. That, to me, was really telling. I don't think, as a coach or a GM, you make that remark if you feel like Dylan DeMello is the person that is going to be paired with Josh Morrissey the upcoming season. It just makes me wonder if Winnipeg doesn't have a different target in mind, whoever it may be, I throw Matt Dumba. Maybe it's, you know, hey, maybe in a, in a fantasy world, it's a Seth Jones or a Dougie Hamilton. But I, I just, I have this feeling like Winnipeg has a different player, a different target in mind to go on their top pairing with Josh Morrissey. And I think that's why the team might be willing to expose Dylan DeMello, allow him to be taken, and that ultimately frees up some cap space and lets them make a run at whoever that player might be. So ultimately, how I see this playing out, I think my prediction is going to be the Winnipeg Jets move Andrew Kopp in the coming days for a couple of draft picks, let's say a second and a fourth rounder. And then we see Dylan DeMello taken by the Seattle Kraken and Logan Stanley remains a Winnipeg Jet for the upcoming season. Either way, we're going to have our answer soon, though, because it's the 13th today, and the 17th is when expansion protection lists have to be unveiled officially. So we're just a couple days away, as, as crazy as it seems, from finding out what direction and what the plan ultimately is for the Winnipeg Jets when it comes to both who goes to Seattle and the rest of the offseason to unfold after that. We'll get our answers soon enough, but we'll call it a wrap for today's episode. So again, thank you guys so much for listening to Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're back at it on Friday. I mean, we'll get into any potential moves because let's face it, if Andrew Kopp is dealt, I imagine we'll have some finality on that in the coming days. So we'll talk about any potential moves that have gone on in the NHL during that time. Plus, another food interview to close out the week. It's a beauty, too. So you'll want to make sure you tune in for that. But until next time, I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Peace!